They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Hey, two badders. If you uh, haven't listened to uh, Bad Boy Running, before. In, in, in the nature of us trying to be professional here, um, I'd like to introduce you. My name is Jodie Rainsford and this is my co-host David Hellard. Hello! Um, hello. hello! And uh, our community, uh, the community of the do-badders. Fuck you, buddy. And, Fuck you, uh, buddy. And this is, a, this is a, 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 apparently a podcast um, that has something to do with running occasionally. And we've got one of those episodes today that is actually about running. So if you are listening to this for the first time, please... Uh, and, you, and you think, oh, this is quite informative. Please be aware that this is not indicative of this podcast. Yeah, this is this is like us scrubbing up to meet the Queen, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll be down the pub the next day. Usual, usual behaviour. Yeah, we act we act very sensibly uh, around some interviewer interviewees, um, and then we do this like um, bit before and after where we dick about to try and make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's our <laughs> natural state. But how you been? What's uh, what's been going on this week? Yeah, yeah, my running's been going really well. Would be one thing I'd like to have said. The other Ooh. thing, the truth would have been, I've been on holiday for a week and I haven't done anything. Oh, where I, to? Uh, to Salkham in Devon. Half term. Oh, nice. Half term, isn't it? So, isn't that a, a terrible time to go to Devon? It's a perfect time to go to Devon because it's uh, it's the week after half term for other schools. And so it's empty. Are you one of those irresponsible parents that drag their kids out to save a few pounds from, from uh, when they should be at school? No, because um, my kids go to private school. And so uh, you can do what the fuck you want. <laughs> and they nice. can't do anything. <laughs> nice. Then so how come we didn't get out running then? Surely that's beautiful location. Well, to it is. I, so every time I've been before, I had the opportunity. Um, and this time I chose sleep. Um, because if I was going to go, I'd have had to get up early to go. Yeah. And I thought, actually, no. I'm, I'm ch- I choose sleep. It's really hard to get motivated when you know Christmas is coming and you're just going to be stuffing your face and doing sod all anyway. I don't. Is that a Christmas thing or is that an all year thing? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting a bit miserable about running. I oh, just why? hate. I just hate the dark and the cold. Oh, I, I fucking hate it as well. I'm, oh. I'm thinking of jo- just joining the gym so I can go on a treadmill so I'm not out running in the dark and cold. Yeah, big time. Well, I'm finding, because I'm working from home so much at the moment, um, and I'm, I'm actually working reasonably hard on this caffeine bullet stuff, um, I get to the end of the day where I should have probably gone for a training run at lunchtime, and I haven't, and then you get to 5 o'clock at night and it's dark, and you know you've got to go out and do miles which you don't really care about because you're feeling unfit anyway and and you don't have to you don't not like you're running back from work or something like that so yeah they're just they're they're you're forcing yourself to go out to come back here leaving yourself leaving having to leave the house to run is the hardest thing for me versus everything else is just transport oh do you know what it pleases me to hear hear you say that because i just i i thought there was something superhuman about you that meant that you didn't you didn't mind going out because I, I hate leaving the house. It's like that that inertia. One, getting out of bed, that's a difficult mm. one. But you, if you, once you've done that, 
It's then just getting out that door. Once you're out the door, you're sorted. But the amount of momentum it takes. And it's never as bad as you think it will be. Oh, no, it's all, it's perfect. You love it. You yeah. absolutely love it. It's brilliant. You're really happy you've done it. But then you forget it almost immediately the next day when you wake <laughs> up. And you go, I remember how great I felt yesterday. Probably won't feel great if I do it again. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this time will be different. But I think it's also because, I mean, I've had, I've always had targets, target races to aim for. Because now I haven't really got one. And because I'm not fit, if I'm fit, I get paranoid about losing my fitness. Yeah. And, and also when I run, I feel great because I'm feeling fit and fast and everything seems to feel right in your body. Whereas now I just think, can I be asked to do this run now in the cold and the dark when it just means I'm going to feel slightly less slow next time, but I'll still feel <laughs> slow. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm in a, almost caught in a, a vicious spiral, a downward spiral. You need to do. You need to do something that's good, that you, your life will be threatened if you don't Ooh. train for. Is that wow? That's, so well, that, that's the only thing that motivates out. me to train hard. <laughs> so, have you got a, a contract out on your life if you don't train? <laughs> no, on, there, on, your, actually on yours. You. <laughs> on mine. Wow. Okay. I've got my own Kickstarter campaign that's been running, and I've just got hundreds of Filipinos. They're all backing <laughs> it. I, I, I was only asking for ten grand, and I've made two hundred and fifty already. Oh bloody hell! And I'm I'm moving nearer to them this week to Myanmar. It's on the way. There, there's a reason it, all of these things happen. Did you realize how easy it was for you to enter that race? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what about you? So what? So you've not been you've not been running or training or? Well, I've, I mean, I've, I've not really trained properly for about three months. I've a solid week, and um, it's it's the same. I'm just not putting stringing things together, and that vicious cycle. It's when when I spoke to Miller um, when she left Ultimate Hell Week she was injured and then she, I don't think she's ever really got back into training because in a year and a half because she's been working so hard she yeah. had a wedding and I completely understand it now when you you feel shit already and you think well I can do this run but it's not going to make me instantly the fitness or the speed I want to be and then you don't almost don't want to go for a race you know there's a you don't want to go and do a park run because you think it's going to be embarrassing the time that I do. I don't want people to see me running like that. Um, and you don't want to enter <laughs> Yeah, I, races I've where... never had to worry about that. <laughs> I might ruin my reputation in front of these people. But it, I mean, it makes me, it makes me question why so many people run. <laughs> For a lot of people, like this is their everyday running. Is the stuff that is really hard and horrible and yeah, a real slog. I, well, the thing is, I've, I, I came to a realisation the other day that I like doing races, but I hate training for them, um, which yeah, is probably what everyone thinks. But I don't know. I, if there's anything I can do to get around not having to go out for runs that aren't races, I will I will do it. Um, yeah. But it's true. It's just the, the, the thought of like doing, of training, doing ultras to train for an ultra marathon, just, it, it, it makes me feel ill, just to have the, the idea of doing it. But I find any run with another person is fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. doesn't matter how hard that session is, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. It, makes, it does make a massive difference. Yeah, it's just anything by yourself. So I'm kind of hoping that um, being in the sun in Burma, in Myanmar, is going to just help resurrect me. I, get my passion back. I hope you're taking a, a mankini or something hugely <laughs> inappropriate that they, the likes of which they have never seen before. It hadn't occurred to me. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> 
But now you can see it. Now you can picture you can picture the photo that the the organisers would take yeah. to go look at this crazy international guys. Oh god. Um, well, it's it's going to be in Trail Running magazine, so I'm not sure how happy they'd be <laughs> broadcasting that to the world. This is our journalist because I think they like to at least appear credible in what they're writing, you know, in what they're publishing. I I know for a fact that Trail Running magazine are. Uh, push the mankini as like one of their like top five items uh go-to items in their in their magazine all the time well i think in the first episode it actually had a mankini attached didn't it you got, <laughs> did you got a man- you got your your um fell mankini uh, <laughs> yeah. which is that's what fellman is, is about the, uh... <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, it comes. It's got a little compass on it as well, just uh, just so you don't get lost. But the, because the trouble is with the the marathon we're getting, it's, it's at the end of the two weeks, and so we're going to be going hard for two weeks. And also, can I be asked to carry around my um, top of popcorn, my pretzels, and my malt loaf for two weeks? Are you just really? So I can have... The thing is, it wouldn't even occur to me to prepare that much for it. I'd have just, I'd have just wing it. The thing is, you do still. Have in your mind, I've got to have all those things. Yeah, it's just my it's it's my go to. Well, it's my default position pre-marathon. I do all these things. I've got the checklist, and it would I'd have to ch- change my thinking to not do that because that's just natural to me. I'd say. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to take some caffeine bullets with me. It's going to be the first. <laughs> <drive with. laughs> I love it if we see pictures of you like retching on the floor <laughs> with stomach cramps convulsing <laughs> why this bur- why? <laughs> in a Burmese hospital and them go we, we, we don't know how to fix him we don't know how to fix him well they've, they've now got a live stream from the kickstarter you can do live stream of the kickstarter so that would be brilliant if it's just me give us the money so we can change the recipe <laughs> I'll tell you what I've done this week. Go on. This um, this made this made Claire laugh repeatedly. So my folks are selling their house, and I've moved all of my junk out of their attic. Yeah. And un- unbeknownst to me, in um, in one of the boxes were all my old school reports. And my God, my old sports teacher was blunt and bloody harsh at every single sport report from when I was, it would, it would have been 9 to 12, was, David's not naturally talented at sport. <laughs> <laughs> and it always starts with, you know, David hasn't really got the right aptitude to be good at sport, but, and then he just goes on about how enthusiastic I am about stuff and how, <laughs> how I try really hard there or... Um, or one of them was about how I, you know, I, I'd, I'd been very conscientious in my captain, captaining of the second team cricket team, uh, and all of that. Conscientious. And she, and she was, uh, yeah, she just, she just found it amazing, like really, really humorous. And I, I mean, I admit when I was at junior school, I wasn't anywhere near the best at sport, uh, any of the sports. But I didn't think I was that bad. Maybe she just maybe she just liked a, a dramatic counterpoint. Uh, he, he, Mr. He, Lines. He. Yeah. Well, it could, no, be it, could be it could be a she now. You never know. Yeah. It could be, could yeah. Be. But uh, yeah, maybe just it's like being dramatic. Yeah. Could you just possibly. go? So, oh, David's very enthusiastic. Doesn't sound like you, it. Might, it sounds better when you go. Although he is hated within the school, he still <laughs> tries to maintain an interest in team sports. 
Well, it's almost a triumph over adversity, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. He's he's just being dramatic. Even though he's shit, he still tries. Like most people would give up because they're shit. Not David. (laughs) He's barely noticed how bad he is. Despite we constantly trying to inform him through these reports. Please, please stop him playing sport. I don't. Do you know what? When it comes to like sports report, I don't think I even got a report for sports and stuff. I was actually, I was actually pretty good at sport. But when you come from a comprehensive, being pretty good at sport is a relative thing. Because as soon as you get against any any school that has any sports funded, you realise how bad you are at sport. Yeah, that's the solace I take. Is that even though I wasn't that great at sport, the uh, the, the guys in my year were pretty phenomenal. Like England players and national champions and all of this, so I don't feel too bad, um, thankfully. But um, yes, we've got we've got a lovely guest today, don't we? We have a fantastic guest, and I think this is the most amount of questions we've ever had um, asked by do badders. Although when you cut out questions that aren't serious, it, it only comes to about three questions, <laughs> serious questions. Yeah, but there seems to be um, a, a lot of. Hurt people out there, should we say? Damaged. Damaged, <laughs> damaged, yes. Yeah, that's a great segue. They are damaged. Some emotionally, some physically. <laughs> and some as a result of listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, emotionally, absolutely. But, uh, well, I guess that brings us on to, to our wonderful guest this evening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've clapped before on the podcast. Haven't we? I feel, I feel like I should whoop like an American. Yeah, please do. This is a, it's election day tomorrow as we're recording this, so USA, USA. That means we might be applauding Trump right now. I think if you were going to pick a candidate that would be most suitable bad boy running, a do <laughs> then I don't, I don't think you can get pretty better than Trump, really. Yeah, he, he takes it. He, he takes all of the... The ethos of bad boy running and throws in a little bit of extra racism as well. <laughs> a little bit of extra racism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little, little like sprinkling here and there. <laughs> I think he's the sort of guy that'd be able to run without his hair moving as well. Yeah, there's something. I mean, he's got a life of its own. It's there's something just so captivating about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he could do it. Oh, I guess it's going to be irrelevant now because everyone's going to know. So we have to. Oh, I can't believe he did it. I can't believe he won. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should actually we should record a Hillary winning one. What a fix, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, let's get on to let's get on to our guest because <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, go and check my emails from Hillary. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, she, well, she's got nothing else to do now. So, so um, do a clever seg here, Hillary. Come on. Oh, who's doing the seg? Me. So you're doing the seg. Do a clever seg. Come on. Oh, so if you're like Hillary uh, and myself. You know, Hillary got injured in the election. You know, she she took a defeat. And often that's because people aren't being sensible about their training. Which is why... (laughs) What a political link. Superstar. Well, we've we've wanted to do an injury episode for quite a while. But actually, I, I find with most people who are runners who talk about injuries, know a huge amount only about the exact injury they've had ever and nothing else about anything else. So we thought it probably was wise for us to, to get someone who actually knew what they were talking about for a change. 
I'd, yeah, I mean, I'd, to, be, to be fair, like, when people talk about injuries, it's only interesting to the person who's talking about the injury, <laughs> which, which we've, got, we've come to realise after talking about our injuries for a great length on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so it would make sense to have, um, yeah, have someone who actually knows something rather than... Because uh, it, it, there's a lot of, like, almost like witchcraft and folklore around yeah. how to I mean like said I had like plantar fasciitis and the things that people told you to do was akin to you know sort of witchcraft in the in the in the middle ages about trying to get rid of it so but so yes. did, did you piss on your leg did did your wife piss on your leg that that's a that, good one. yeah that but that's got nothing to do with plantar fasciitis <laughs> but we've we've been lucky enough to get Gary Gary Jones from he's one of the clinic directors with uh, six physio so, welcome to the podcast, Gary. Welcome. Why is it Good called evening. Six Physio? Uh, I wish I had a really, really interesting story to tell you about that, but it was actually just a name that they came up with. Um, they? I think some... The voices. So the, the yeah, yeah. So, uh, Matt and Rupert Crowfoot, who are our um, C, uh, two CEOs of the company, yeah. uh, they came up with the name uh, just over six years ago. And... Um, yeah, we've gone from strength to strength during that time. So do they change the name every year then? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a really com- that's hard with the branding. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think our marketing manager would be uh, turning uh, turning circles now if she was listening to this. Definitely, yeah. you want to be the agency responsible for that, guys. This is uh, December. We've got to change it again. Well, it's, it's funny actually. A, fr- a friend of mine runs a, a friend of mine runs a practice in Australia. And uh, he's uh, he's just called his company Fix Physio. Ooh. Well, hopefully, could, maybe... be, could be some sort of trade description thing there, or maybe he's just got a lisp. I'm not sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you guys ever get big enough to go out there, that's going to be confusing. Big time. But, uh, big time. But, but welcome to the podcast. But just so you've got a sense of the uh, the people who listen to our podcast, I'd say tend to be the type of people that. Um, go and do races they probably shouldn't do without really giving it much thought and potentially getting massive injuries because of it. Would you, would you say that's fair, Jodie? I would say that's, um, that's more than fair. I'd say that's exactly right. Um, there are some people who are, are silly enough to prepare for things, um, but in the, I think on the whole, we've got um, a highly injured bunch. And a lot of them still injured. That's it, a lot of them yeah. still injured. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the sort of the common theme i think you get to a stage in your running where there's never a point you're not injured it's just which injuries are you uh are flaring up at the moment and which ones can you uh, more background noise should we say rumblings rather than old old friends that return every now and then <laughs> like the yeah, ankle <laughs> but from, from your point of view gary you must see a whole mix of injuries a whole mix of personalities um what's what would you say is runner psychology there? How they, what's common for them to get injured with? What's common for um, for them to come? You which issues? How do you solve them typically? What What would you say is the well? What's common? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I think we we see a, a real broad spectrum of uh, of, of running injuries um, and types of personalities as well. I think uh, a lot of people obviously run because it's it's a convenient way of exercising. So. You know, we see a lot of people that are spending 12 hours sat at the desk at work when they should be working and not, you know, trawling the internet, um, uh, looking at eBay to see what they're going to buy their uh, their other half, um, and then spending 12 hours sat at the office desk um, and then trying to run home from work without doing any sort of preparation um, and finding out that they've got a sore Achilles the next day or um, a 
a sore knee the next day. So that, you know, we see that category of runners, but then we also go to the opposite end of the spectrum where I think you're probably looking a little bit more at the, the sanity of some of these people when they're doing these uh, longer uh, ultra marathon events as well. Um, so obviously from that side of things, there's a, a whole nother level of preparation that normally goes into that. But equally, we see lots of people that do in ultra marathons, but without having, you know, without having put in maybe the work that they should have done as well and breaking down with injuries during that time <laughs> as well. So uh, a real, real mixed bag. I think actually that's probably becoming more common because ultramarathons aren't as intimidating as they used to be. More and more people are doing them. There's more versions of them. So I think people are um, just saying, why not do an ultra? Whereas before, you'd probably be, you'd need to have done at least a marathon or be considered a a runner for some time before you try and take on something there's, like that. There's definitely an element of, um, I think we talked about this when we were talking about the MDS episode, of um, that, um, I think it's a quite a proudly British way of, fuck it, I'll wing it, um, yeah. with, with a lot of yeah. stuff. I'll sign up for it, and that's about all the preparation I need to do. I'll go for a couple of runs. I've done, I've done a 5K before. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. But in a way, it's more impressive, isn't it? You can you can finish an ultra marathon uh, training for nine months, building up to it slowly. But if you could just turn up with a hangover and finish <laughs> one, I mean, what is more impressive than that? I mean, that's sure, surely that's what the main thing you have to do. You have to deal with the aftermath of that of of, of that sort of thing. Rather, I don't imagine anyone comes to you and says, "Okay, I'm about to prepare um, run a marathon. Please give me all the tips I can do to avoid injury." It's more the case of I'm going to do it my way. Oh, I've got injured. How 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 can you get me back to not being injured? Yeah, I, th- I think I think some of the more the more seasoned pros, some of the more seasoned runners, uh, probably take it a little bit more seriously um, and actually do do their preparation work beforehand. So there are some people that we see that we kind of build up to those levels. But yeah, like you've just said, I think a lot of people just you know, particularly some of the guys we've treated and girls from the city. You know, they have a little bit of a bet after work and challenge each other to run an ultra marathon um, or run a marathon. And, and then they knock on our door, you know, six months, six weeks into the training program because they're, they're breaking down with different types of injuries as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a real, a real, a real mixed bag. And so when you say um, preparation, what are we, what are we, yeah. what sort of thing are we talking about here? So um, in order to, you know, say that I said I came to you and like, I'm going to do a marathon in uh, six months. I want to make sure that I can do it without getting injured. Um, what, what, what sort of thing would you suggest that, that I do as maybe someone who'd, who'd done a bit of running, but maybe not done a, a marathon before? Because there's a lot, of, a lot of people in the, in the group who've, um, who've done marathons and stuff. But, the, you know, especially at this time as well, where it, we're, you know, we're, we're a few months out now from uh, the, yeah. uh, the Easter marathons. Yeah, I think probably one of the first things I'd recommend is actually getting, you know, if you're a serious runner, getting getting a running assessment. So we we actually within the company have a, a few running gurus who, who do our running assessments where they get people onto the treadmill, video them, look at how they're running from top to toe. Because I think it's really important that you look at how, you know, how the body is held in, in terms of its form from, from head all the way down to, to foot um, and, and assessing how, how people are, are sort of moving through, through the back. You know, have they got um, good levels of support around their hips and their lower back? You know, are they rotating well through their upper back and the trunk? You know, is their head sitting in a good position in relation to where their centre of gravity is? You know, have they got a good stride length? You know, you look at things like their cadence. There's a whole series of different things 
that you can look at. And I think once you've analysed that, you can then start to put people on the right plan. Um, you want to try and sort of pick out any sort of um, glaringly obvious things from, from the running assessment. Uh, but obviously, there, there, there may be more subtle things that when you're starting to work to more sort of higher levels of endurance, if you don't address some of those subtle differences, that's when it could lead on to problems as well. And, and do you ever have someone take the test and you, you just say to them, look, <laughs> you, thought about, you thought about swimming? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, sometimes you do have to be a little bit harsh. Um, I think some people, when you look at their body shapes, they probably haven't been designed to specifically run. Um, and, and probably from an anatomy perspective, they're, uh, they're probably not going to load their, their joints and, and tendons as, as well as they could do in some, some other cases. But I think, you know, if that's what something, you know, if somebody's main driver, if it's about them, you know, for example, running a marathon because they've, you know, lost a lost a relative to a, to some sort of condition and they're running for a particular charity then we, we should do everything we can to try and get them to be able to to achieve what they want to achieve so getting into the psyche is probably the most important thing really so is there anything is it is there anything that commonly comes up um with people that that maybe is a little bit surprising i know that you know that there's been a whole thing recently about how how dangerous sitting is and sitting's you know the the reason that you know we're also inflexible and ill and but is there is there anything that comes up regularly that people are quite surprised about um that um if, you, if they change that one thing then that would instantly improve their their running yeah i, th- I think certainly uh, i think the one thing you've picked up there like spi- the spinal spinal alignment um is, is super important so um you know looking at how much how much people are sort of moving or or, or arching through their lower back you know if you've got too much of an arch in your lower back you're going to start to load through some of those tissues either through the back or lower down in in in, in more um you're going to you're going to load them further basically um the other thing that's really sort of a, a common thing that we pick up with people is a lack of flexibility through their upper back okay through the thoracic spine um essentially if you're not rotating well through that upper part of your back you know you're not going to transmit forces well down through your through your hips knees and, and feet um, and you're also going to have a more laboured running style as well, you know. So if you're if you're not rotating well through the trunk, it's it's not going to be a, an efficient running pattern. So sometimes when people come into us and they say, "Oh, I've got a pain in my left heel," but then when you look at them running, you know, you notice things higher up that aren't aren't working correctly. Um, then yeah, it's it's that's a bit of a shock to people sometimes. And it's amazing just by making some subtle adjustments how you can change people's, you know, people's posture as they're running as well. And is there something that people can easily do just when they think about how do I sit in my desk and the impact that has or just an exercise? It sounds almost as if you want to do kind of the staying alive move each lunchtime just to get your, your shoulders working. But is there something you can be doing at your desk to take proact- um, proactive um, adjustment? Yeah, if I, if I was old enough to remember staying alive, then uh, <laughs> I would understand what you were talking about. No, no, um, yeah, I think probably uh, probably something like the uh, the Agadu manoeuvre um, would be the one to do. Um, you know, certainly uh, getting the rotation from left to right is the key thing, and then uh, jump up and down. What's the Agadu movement? Go on. Huh? What's the Agadu movement? Go on. <clears throat> this is a visual thing, so obviously it's probably not going to mean anything to anybody. <laughs> That's looking good. It's looking good. That's good. It, it reminds me of um, like Russian dancers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Without the legs moving. 
maybe if you could implement the Keith Lemon manoeuvre as well, the Keith Lemon dance would probably be quite helpful as well. I need an example of that. What's the Keith Lemon dance? I, I, can't, I can't do that. I haven't got enough hip movement to do that. But that's amazing, isn't it, that um, your upper body actually plays a part in this. Because I, you know, when I think about my flexibility and um, my terrible um, you know, running technique, I have like no upper body flexibility. But as a runner, you think, oh, I don't, what do I need that for? You know, I don't need, you know, it, it wouldn't even occur to you to work on that um, as, as something that could help your running. But like you say, it's so, it's so important to be able to address those. And so actually, so what, what, would, you, what would you be your suggestion to someone in that situation? Build something yeah. regularly into, you know, after, after a run or on days when they're not running, would you, would you come up with like a, a, a set of exercises or something to, do, yeah, to yeah. work on that? Yeah, so sort of coming back to the coming back to the sort of stiff area in the upper back. So um, as as a company, we kind of um, we use a, a model called stiff bits and bendy bits. So uh, when we're treating injuries, we talk to people about the areas that have become stiff and why it's important to get those moving better uh, and to get them more flexible. And then we talk about the bendy bits, which are the bits that, that are the bits that normally break down when you're injured. So for example, you know when people get say knee pain if they've been running for a period of time it's often because they're they're not loading correctly through certain muscles in the knee so some of those areas are, are, are a little bit too flexible and you need to get better control over those areas um, and it's the same with the lower back as well uh, but yeah coming back to the thoracic spine area if you think for example of your kind of standard recreational runner that's spending 12 hours a day sat at the the desk at work you know, they're going to be in a position where their spine is getting stiffer throughout the day as well. You know, they're sat for long periods of time. Naturally, that middle part of your back is prone to getting stiffer anyway, just with the way of the, of the anatomy and how it lies. So it, it's really important that you can just do some very simple stretches to, to, to improve that. Uh, whether that's just sat at the desk um, at work, just doing some little rotations side to side with your hands across your chest. Or whether it's even just doing something as simple as getting a small rolled up towel folding it in half, rolling it into a small sort of um, small cylinder um, that you can then uh, put in between your shoulder blades lengthways um, and you can lie on a firm surface when you get home from work and, and do that sort of every day just to let the thoracic spine sort of lengthen out. It's a really simple exercise um, and easy to do but very, very effective for stretching that part of the back. And how, how long should you really do that for, would you say? So I would recommend every night if you're in a desk-based job, get in from work and just spend 10 minutes just lying on the, in that position. You can do some nice deep breathing exercises whilst you're in that position as well. Um, it just helps to open up the rib cage a little bit more, which is connected to that part of the back. And it's such a simple exercise, but super, super effective. Um, and we can certainly, you know, if, if you go onto our links, links on our website, you can you can find a link to actually see how you uh, how you perform that exercise it's called the world's easiest stretch okay perfect well we've, we've got a, a gentleman called sean sterley who has recently posted into the group that he's it sounds like he's, he's been a, a rugby player a prop before um and he's now looking to start doing 10k races to build up through the whole of next year of a race every month um yeah. he's he's not he's not got as run as bills um, for people starting off running or who are you know, looking to lose weight or who are just looking to build up the mileage, 
what would you say are the, the key things to, to to do in terms of stretching, in terms of their preparation, and, and what are the, the key injuries to try and avoid or to look out for? Yeah, I think, um, again, obviously, it depends a little bit on sort of body type um, and also what you're looking to achieve. So, for example, with, with your guy that's maybe... The build of a prop, there's going to be certain parts of his 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 anatomy that are probably going to be stiffer than others. I don't know where I'm quite going with this, but uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't jumped in more with with some of the things you've been saying. I don't, um, we'll have to edit so, those in later. Uh, so yeah, so so certainly the upper back area is probably going to be a, a stiff area in that that, that particular person. Um, so Sean's going to have, I would have thought, probably some tight tight muscles across the front of his chest as well, and across the the front of his neck. So you know, get it, getting in and stretching that area out would be quite important. Lots of pec stretches, um, lots of um, thoracic exercises, so the upper back exercises to, to stretch that out. So, you know, either on a foam roller or on the rolled up towel, as we talked about earlier. I think then coming down to the lower back, he, he'd probably need to do uh, quite a bit of work in terms of uh, looking at what his, his stability of his lower back muscles are. So the deep core muscles. Um, the deep supporting muscles of the lower back um, and, and the kind of gluteal muscles, it'd be important to have a look at those and just make sure that they're, they're sort of well balanced. Um, and then kind of coming lower down, again, there's, there's, there's question marks about things like hamstring flexibility, you know, how, how much should you stretch your hamstrings? It depends on your body type, you know, because if you've got a, a little bit more of an arch in your lower back, then the last thing you're going to want to do is lots of hamstring stretching because you could end up aggravating your lower back a little bit more. Um, that might be something that would need to be looked at. Uh, and then kind of coming further down, I imagine he's probably going to be quite tight through his calf muscles as well. So uh, lots of work to kind of potentially stretch out the calf muscles um, some foam rollering and that sort of stuff as well. So that would kind of be sort of the top top to toe sort of things I'd be looking at. Um, and then I think the big thing would be looking at loading. So um, progressive loading is super, super important. So, you know, if you've not run to that level before, you know, you, you're not going to go out and run for 10 miles because you're probably going to break down on that first run. So, you know, you'd want to start off probably running something like maybe 5K initially to begin with um, and just building that up over a series of, 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 of weeks, really. Um to sort of build that up and runner's knee because that's you've mentioned the knees there that seems to be the one injury that is common amongst all levels of athletes is is that a combination of different injuries and, and is that something that's easily avoidable yeah so again i think runners runners knees are common thing yeah as you as you've rightly said i think lots of people foam foam roller their it bands has become a bit of a worldwide obsession with foam rollers and IT bands and yeah it's a useful thing to do but if you press on most people's IT bands they're pretty sore to be honest with you so uh, <laughs> I think I think it has it has become a bit of an obsession um, it is it is quite an important thing to do if you run on a regular basis there uh, I think the key things to look at are your, are your biomechanics so most people develop knee, knee pain as a result of their biomechanics so if you're looking sort of from you know the top down to the bottom it's looking at how the lower back and the hip interact with the knee but also looking at what the foot mechanics are doing as well so you know do people have more of a foot that rolls inwards do they have more of a foot that rolls outwards do they have a big toe that doesn't extend enough you know to allow them to to, to load properly through the foot um, you know those are the kind of sorts of things you'd be looking at in relation to the knees as well and I think the other thing is that around knee knee problems as well, there can be some age 
age-dependent knee issues as well. So, you know, if we go to the, the, the younger spectrum, you know, some of your younger runners in their sort of teens and early years, you know, they can have more sort of overuse type issues, things like Osgood slatters, which just has to have relative rest. Um, there's nothing you can do apart from relative rest and a bit of stretching and a bit of foam rollering to, to settle that down. Um, and that's just where the front part of the knee, the Achilles tendon, you get a little, uh, sorry, the patella tendon. It's been a long day. Um, the, patella, the patella tendon gets um, inflamed at the front of the knee and you get a little bump that forms and that's, that's a, a younger knee injury. But the more classic sort of knee injuries that we get are just inflammation of the soft tissues around the kneecap. And that's just, again, from just poor loading. Okay. And, and I, you mentioned a lot about the, the running style as well. Um, what's a physio's view on barefoot running, forefoot running, changing running styles? I mean, would you advise people to actually think about changing the style of running or is it better to stick with what you know, really, and what the body's used to? Well, I think growing up as a child in Birmingham, I certainly wouldn't recommend barefoot running around Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> or running not, around not, Birmingham. Not in the area that I grew up in, anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, no, all joking aside, I think I think it comes down to when you assess somebody's foot profile. So if you look at the mechanics of somebody's foot, have they got the the tissue tolerance to be able to deal with things like barefoot running? Because you have to have a, a, a an element of of, of, of a certain amount of flexibility, particularly through your calf muscles, to allow you to be able to do that um, and for your foot to be able to absorb the pressures correctly. Um, so for some people, a barefoot running would be an absolute no-go from, from day one once you've assessed the foot. So I think we don't advocate one particular style here at six. You know, we, we basically assess the person and then we advise them as the individual what the most appropriate way of going forwards would be. And that might be that you just make changes to, to even things like your, your cadence rather than actually your running style. That seems to have lots more positive effect. So, okay. oh, so I've, had, um, I've had like various injuries and stuff. And um, this, is a, this, is, this is a general question about physios because there's a lot of people in the group who have had a bad experience with physios, <laughs> and, yep. I've, and I've had a bad experience with physios as well. Okay. Don't worry, I don't, I don't view you as a group or anything. But um, what, how do, how do, there seems to be a lot of trial and error involved in, in seeing a physio. Um, and how do you make sure that you're, you're, you're with someone who, who knows what they're doing? I mean, how, how do you even pick one? Because it seems completely random as to who who people were. Some people absolutely love their physio. You know, yeah. they, 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 I mean, like it's you know, it's the person that keeps them running. Um, you know, they have that sort of relationship. And other people go to three or four different physios, and they're like, I've I've done all the things, done all the exercises. I'm thirty quid down every time I do it, or forty quid down every time I do it, and I'm still injured. So so how? I mean, that's it's a difficult question to ask. <laughs> but how how you know? How would you advise people to choose their physio? I, I think um, you know. There's lots of lots of good and bad stuff that's going on out there. There's lots of good and bad advice that's going on out there. It's 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 an industry where you know there's lots of opinions and theories. You know, there's no to to, to a lot of injuries. There's no kind of cookbook recipe um, for how you manage those injuries. So I think what I would say is you you need to pick a, a physio who's going to to work with you sort of on an individual basis to identify first of all. What are the, the biomechanical reasons as to as to why you're getting the problem? You know, is it something that can be fixed by physiotherapy? 
is it something that needs to be maintained rather than fixed? You know, so there's some injuries that are out there that aren't going to go away. You have to do things to, to maintain, you know, your soft tissue flexibility, to maintain your strength, uh, to maintain things like your plyometric ability. So things like hopping and landing and all those kind of things as well. So, you know, I think what you have to do is you have to tailor it to that particular person, to that particular individual. And you can't just say for every person that comes in with knee pain these are a set of exercises that you go away and do you've got to make it very specific so when I say to people when you're looking to to, to choose a physiotherapist choose choose an, a, a physio that has experience choose somebody that has a bit of a passion and an interest in the in the areas that you want to to learn about and I think you do have to go on a little bit of a journey you know sometimes with things like knee pain that you've mentioned runner's knee uh, or patellofemoral pain which is the, the the sort of actual term for it we know that there can be a bit of a, an, a, a bit of a roller coaster in terms of the symptoms. It can go up and down, certainly in the first, you know, six to eight weeks, whilst you're trying to change, you know, the, the the dynamics of how certain muscles are working. But I think you know you have to set realistic timeframes, realistic expectations, and if you think it's something that needs further assessment before you uh, you actually take on the treatment, then us, we at Six Physio, you know, we we operate something what's called a three strikes rule. So if people aren't showing improvement within those first three sessions, we'll say to them, look, you know, this needs to be looked at in a different way. Um, and obviously, if we see them first time and we think it's something that needs, uh, you know, more intervention, like, for example, an MRI scan or an X-ray or whatever it is, then we'd, we'd obviously send them that way first. So, so I think you have to choose. You have to choose wisely. It's a bit like um, choosing, the air, uh, choosing an aeroplane to fly with, isn't it? You know, you're well, more likely to go. Go BA other, business class than Ryanair, Ryanair no, cap class. No, exactly. Because the other, the other confusing thing is that people just don't know, you know, what... It's when you bring osteopaths and chiropractors in it. It's like, so what people come, come to this in the sense that I've got an injury and how do, I, how do people know who is best placed to deal with that injury? I mean, the most obvious one is a, uh, is a, is a physio, um, but then other people go to, like, osteopaths and chiropractors. Do you hate osteopaths and chiropractors? <laughs> um... <laughs> No, no, we don't. Um, it's just, it's, it's just a different, it's just a different take on things. It's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, I work in Parsons Green at the moment, and that that area is very much saturated with, you know, physios and chiropractors and osteopaths. And I think, you know, without sitting on the fence, that's actually good for for you as the, uh, as the as the patients that are out there. You know, it's it's um, you've got plenty of decent people to choose from. I think the, the the way that uh, the way that they're going to look at things is, is is slightly different. I can't speak exactly for them as the profession, but you know, sort of osteopaths and chiropractors have built a bit more of a uh, of a mantle around the kind of hands-on sort of manual manipulative therapy of things. So getting in and you know cracking people's backs and what they like to call adjustments and things like that. You know, saying that they've put people back in the right position and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's how they work. Uh, whereas, you know, from a physio perspective, we would look at things a lot more globally. So we'd be looking at, you know, uh, not just the, the joint side of things, but also considering the muscle side of things and making sure that there's a good balance between the sort of muscular system when you're doing your activities as well. Because I think from, a, from my experience of, of people I speak to, you almost want that. If you, if you think of a chiropractor, you're hungry, a chiropractor goes, Here's a Big Mac and you shove it in your face. Whereas the physio probably says, let's go and cook a meal together and it's going to take ages. And I, th I think you, 
the, the satisfaction of seeing a chiropractor or sports massage who might hurt you or who might um, pull you about but then you suddenly think I know that's done something whereas with a physio you normally leave with a set of exercises bloody homework do. that's it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10 weeks and you're like oh this is probably the right I'd thing love to, to know, I'd, I'd love to know where you two guys have been because it sounds like you've had some bad experiences man some bad experiences <laughs> Um, no, no, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, um, the, the way that we work as a, as a, as a we, uh, we have two types of physio. So when you come in, you, you're, you're assessed, first of all, by a, a manual physiotherapist. So when I was talking earlier about our stiff bits and bendy bits model, mm. the, the manual therapist assesses you to work out which areas are, are stiff and tight, what needs working on. So in that first session, you know, if you came in with a painful right knee, and we'd assessed you and we found that there was a problem around the hip that needed addressing or around the thigh that needed addressing. We'd get in and treat that and try and show you some change in that first session. So we'd definitely get some hands-on work in that first session. Then we'd pass you over to the, the rehab therapists, the rehab physiotherapists. They would work more specifically on giving you the right specific exercises to work on. So it wouldn't be just a sheet of exercise that you go home and work on. They'd spend some time actually designing a bespoke program of exercises for that particular individual so again for example if somebody came in with a, a patellofemoral pain around the knee runner's knee you know there may be exercises that they're doing to improve you know uh, quadriceps muscle control um your gluteal control things around your back you know there'd be lots of different things they specifically work on to address that as well as giving you a, a sort of a, a time scale as to how quickly they think that you should be back doing what you want to do as well and again with some running injuries you can still run you know you don't have to just give up running completely with some injuries or you may you may have to substitute it with some other things so things like cross trainer or cycling or you know something to just maintain cardiovascular what? What? sorry <laughs> is that the word of the devil what <laughs> yeah, but, James um, not a cycling yeah. fan i'm afraid no, no, cheating. But we, is, it, is, is it on that note you're going to tell me I'm on my bike? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've had quite a few people ask about ITB because uh, I mean I, that's something I suffered for for about three seasons, and um, now it sometimes comes. But I've got some exercises that work for me um, that I can don't have to stop training, and thankfully it just disappears. But um, are there any common? Is, is it all stemming from the same problem, ITB and? There's the rolling, but are there some exercises people can do just strengthening ba- uh, basic ones so that they never see the issue? If they have it, they can quickly strengthen up knowing that that will solve it rather than having to keep on stretching. I, th- I think it's getting to the, the root cause of the problem. That's that's what you have to do, first of all. So ITB syndrome or ITB friction syndrome, whatever they want to call it, it's, it's a byproduct of something else. So there's a reason why your IT band is getting tight. So we know naturally that the IT band is very thick tissue. Um, so it's, 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 not, it's not easy to show people how to stretch the IT band. That's why foam rollers are used more so. Uh, but you need to really think about why is the IT band getting tight. There must be something that you're potentially doing from either a biomechanics point of view or from maybe the way that you're loading um, in terms of, you know, are you overloading? Are you overtraining? Um, that's causing the IT band to get tight. So, yeah, I think it's all well and good being shown how to roll out and all the, those those kind of things and what sort of stretches to do. But you need to get to the root cause of the problem first. And it could just be it could be it could be an, it could be an anatomy thing as well. So, you know, some people, the way that they're 
their thigh bone is, is, is orientated will predispose them to potentially getting tight through their IT band. So that's something that they're potentially going to have through the whole of their running career. But if, if you're honest with people at day one and say, you know, these are the things you have to do to maintain it, then that's what you have to do. Now, we, we've got quite a few questions from the deep <laughs> um, some, some of them are actually, we're able to repeat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've separated them into different categories. So I've, I've okay. started, we'll start with the serious ones. So Paul Turner's asked about uh, kinesiology tape. Yeah. Uh, is, is that mainly placebo effect or you know is that scientifically tested to show there's actual benefit behind it? Um, so it's an interesting one, K-tape, uh, K as, it, as it's uh, often uh, abbreviated to. Obviously, uh, it's, it's funny, you know, I've been a physio for 15 years now and there's lots of fads that come in and out. And, you know, there's definitely been a bit of a fad around K-tape and this coloured tape over the last few years. Uh, obviously, you know, seeing your high-level sports people wearing it has, has certainly been uh, helpful for sales of K-Tape as well. But um, I, I genuinely do, uh, I'm genuinely aware of some some positive benefits of it. So there is some clinical research out there to show that it can be effective. Um, certainly, there's um, studies that have looked at the, the, the ankle, the knee and the shoulder blade. Um, and you can... You can certainly um, try to uh, sort of get muscles to do less work by using K-Tape. One of the things that they talked about is that you can actually get muscles to work harder by using K-Tape, but that's not really been proven yet. Um, and it's really good for um, for swelling as well. So if people have swelling it's and, and bruising, it's really good for dispersing that as well. Um, and the big plus about it is that if you're using it to try and reduce or help with knee pain, you know, if you're running long distances, K-tape's waterproof as well, so it holds better from an exercise perspective. So again, if you have triathletes and things like that, you know, it can be helpful for, for them. Um, but I, I'm still a big fan of, maybe it's because I'm in my 40s now, but I'm still a big fan of old school rigid tape as well. You know, the sort of uh, the rigid tape that you can use to, to help support around, uh, around the knee as well it can be really helpful for unloading some of the soft tissues at the front of the knee. The best thing about tape, of course, is that you can alert everyone that you're injured and you have like, an amazing injury without having to yeah. say anything. It's just shorthand for, look, look how hardcore I am. Yeah, well, it's a good well, excuse. It's, you've got it in. Oh, before. you don't even have to make the excuses, do you? Yeah, yeah everyone turns out and they, they, you can give them a look of like, I'm going to be a, in a hero if I manage to get through this. <laughs> Yeah, and you can also have fun by uh, you mentioned was it Sean earlier the prop you know uh, not being stereotypical but I'm sure he'd love some pink pink coloured tape applied all over him while he's out running. That is Sean down to a T without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So we've um, we've had a few questions. I think a couple of them actually to do with uh, rest recovery, all those things. So um, Adam Pollock was wondering whether rice is still the best approach for basic injury, and then. Um, and and Garnish has said she uses the police um, for, for low, lower limb injury protection. I mean, are you going to say fuck the police or are we back on? Are we all, are we all about rights? It's a bit extreme, isn't it? It's an extreme way of phoning 999 to deal with your, uh, your lower limb injuries. Yeah, no, um, the, the, the rice principles still still apply. Um, they actually talk about price now. Price, okay. Uh, yeah, which is um, basically protection uh rest ice compression elevation um what would the section be oh i can see what you're, you're thinking when you're saying it. I mean, <laughs> you're just being filthy aren't you he's trying to say that <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> no, no, no. 
a gun. That's what it is. No, no genuinely. What? So, if you if you've got an injury, protection would that be? Is that K tape? K tape, for example, or so? So it might be more something like um, a, a strapping or a compression bandage to help reduce swelling. You know, something like maybe even like a tube grip in the very early stages to just reduce and, and give some some compression there. But it also it's, it's things like unloading it as well. So, um, for example, if you've sprained your ankle, you know, you need to take some load off it in the first few days. So even getting on some crutches and taking some load off it, the amount of people that walk around still with very acute ankle injuries, if you don't do the things right in the early stages, yeah. it'll just take longer to settle. Um, there is a bit of a debate around ice at the moment as well. So, um, yeah, this, this, is a, this is a bit geeky. I'm going to go down geek, go down the geek slide here. Yeah, there's some debate around ice and whether whether it's actually the right thing to do with an acute injury, because there's some people that would argue now from a scientific perspective that you're trying to influence a normal healing process. So you should actually let the inflammatory process happen. Um, but I, you know, I, I will often still recommend ice therapy for, you know, acute swollen, painful things. Um, but definitely some debate around tendons in particular, saying that maybe, maybe you actually shouldn't ice them. And what about what about taking um, ibuprofen as well? Isn't there some debate about whether you should take ibuprofen with with uh, inflammation at an early stage? Yeah, that's it's a similar it's a similar thing really because essentially you want the inflammatory process to happen to allow the tissue to heal correctly. So again, some debate as to whether you should take anti-inflammatories or not. I think if you can manage your symptoms by taking just simple things like paracetamol um, and unloading it, then that's definitely the route to go. So actually inflammation is a good thing because it's a sign of the healing process. Yeah, in the, in the early stages, yeah, it's a sign of the healing process. So you, you kind of almost got to weather the storm a little bit for the first couple of days and then start to load it progressively. So your cankles are a good thing, JD. I mean, that's a positive thing today. <laughs> I haven't got cankles. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've had a very... A very specific question from John Stanley. He just wants to know, how do you unfreeze hip movement? I've no idea what that means. Oh, but, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing, though, isn't it? Hip movement and your hip flexors. That's, uh, that's, that's very in at the moment. Yeah, the, 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 there's, um, yeah, hip flexors are an interesting one. I think lots of people stretch their hip, flexor, uh, hip flexors. Um, but interestingly, they stretch their hip flexors really badly. Um, so, again, if you've got somebody that's got uh, a bit more of a curve in their lower back, um, they they tend to often just extend more from their lower back rather yeah. than actually stretching the hip flexors. So I think you just need to make sure if you're giving people hip flexor stretches, they are actually tight hip flexors rather than hip flexors that are overworking. There's a difference there. Right. So you know some some people will get overactive hip flexors because their you know lower back and and glutes aren't doing the job effectively. Um, so the hip flexors take over. So you want to just actually fire up the other bits behind it rather than rather than actually stretching the hip flexors. Um, I think in terms of unfreezing hip movement, if you want, I think it was it being able to, John wanted to be able to touch his toes. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so there could be reasons why he can't get into that position. It could be even to do with um, lower back movement. It could be to do with upper back movement. It could be to do with hamstring flexibility. There could be a whole series of things rather than just the hips. Um, but again, you know, the hip, hip range is important. Um, obviously for runners... Um, you know, you're kind of going in straight lines, whereas obviously for, for golfers, it's a completely different thing. You know, you need to have certain ranges of movement through certain movements um, for, for, for golfers, probably not as important for, for runners. 
Um, is there absolute rubbish that if you're inflexible, it's your genetics? Is there is that is that absolute rubbish that there are some people who are predisposed to being less flexible because of Adabar? Should everyone should be flexible, shouldn't they? Um, yeah, in essence, yes. Uh, but obviously, if you there is genetic predispositions to people being either more flexible or less flexible as well. So some people have stiffer stiffer tissues than others. Um, so, you know, some people, you know, if, they, if they've never been able to touch their toes, if you've never been able to touch your toes from birth or, you know, in the, in, since you were 10 or whatever, uh, and then you're trying to touch your toes when you're 50, if you haven't been able to touch them for 40 years, it's highly unlikely that by going to yoga that you're going to be able to achieve that. So you want to just get your tissues working well within the ranges that they are able to tolerate. Right. That's probably the most appropriate thing. So I don't, well, I, don't have to, I don't have to bother anymore then. I don't have to bother trying. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't quite get the obsession with being able to touch the toes. I need to understand what that is, I think. Maybe I need to join these podcasts more often. <laughs> There's, it's because when you were at school, that was something you always had to do. In sports, yeah. like, the teacher would say, right, everyone touch toes. And then if you were the guy like me who couldn't even get his hands past his knees, you felt like an idiot. And so... You just want to, it takes you back to being an idiot at school. So you think, if only I could touch my toes, then I'd no longer be an idiot. You went to a very dubious public school, though, so I'm not even sure that (laughs) it was that much of a benefit being able to do that. That is true. Yeah, you really had to bend over a lot. uh, Maybe maybe if they introduce it as as an international Olympic sport... Maybe, uh, maybe then, then I'll take it a bit more seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Now we, we've had uh, we've had a few cheeky questions. So we, we've had one from Mark Perfect. Atkinson, who says, uh, "What's more annoying, people only coming to see you once their leg is detached, or knowing whatever advice you give them on resting and stretching will be ignored?" <laughs> <laughs> um, probably the second bit for me. Definitely the second bit. Um, you know, it's, I think it's. It's, a, it's always an interesting one, isn't it? I think, you know, you give people some advice and you, you just say, look, you know, in my opinion, this is what would would be helpful. But essentially, people are going to do whatever they want to do. We can only try and guide them down a certain path. It's a bit like being a rebellious teenager, I suppose, isn't it? Because run, d- runners are, are, are proper stubborn twats, aren't they? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I can't, the amount of times I've been so, like, Right, Jodie, you should not do this ultra. There's absolutely no way you can do it. And you, you just like you come back the next week and they go, "Did you do it?" And I'm like, "Of course I did." Yeah, it, it's just for some reason that you people don't mind, you know, having to deal with the injury afterwards, but they'll do anything in their way to make sure that they still run. It's it's incredible. So yeah, once you've got the injury, it's then the physio's fault. For not, for not <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was just waiting for that. You've got a, ter- um, you've got a terrible business model here. You've got <laughs> basically you rely on on bloody runners to go out and do the work that you're advising them doing. And these you need to put penalties in place. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, there's probably a, a, a little bit of a slightly neurotic element about runners as well, which I always find quite interesting. Um, obviously, the smallest little niggle can sometimes be amplified a little bit more as well. But um, I think it's interesting just to get get behind the psyche of what's driving people though as well, you know, and there's yeah. often things, there's often many reasons behind behind why they're, why they're still continuing to do things. So, it, it, you know, it's not that they're just ignoring what you're saying. Um, I think it's just a case of, of getting under underneath the skin and finding out a little bit more about what their main driver is. So it's basically because all runners have been bullied. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Or need to be. <laughs> we were all bullied at school. <laughs> Probably I, to get a, get away quicker from the bullies. 
<laughs> but I find so I, I've um, I've been gay to, to six physio the last few months with it's, it's not even a niggle but I had it through the MDS but I was training so hard that there's nothing I could have done to have fixed it because um, I was just doing too much training but I find he gives me some exercises to do and so for example my IT IT band if I have an issue there I know that I just lie on my side I put a weight on my leg and I lift it until I can't lift it anymore that exercise I'll happily do every night every morning and just bang it out but then if I'm told one where I've got to balance and slowly dip and lower down and come up for me it just seems like such a fact even though it's the same amount of time it's so unlikely I'm going to ever do that exercise because it just seems as if it's, it's not <laughs> tangible you know if I lift something I'm like yeah I'm getting stronger but if I'm there balancing feeling really embarrassed by the fact I can barely stand on one leg uh, for some reason that just doesn't work for me like, like I said I think you've just got to find what makes people tick a little bit more as well so again did you say you're coming to six physio already yeah absolutely yeah I've got a you don't have to name and shame them on there that's fine <laughs> oh Mark Mark he's, he's great actually he's really good um he's um he's given me four different exercises so I do three of them so I, I think that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as at, least you're, at least you're at least you're honest. It's like it's like a sort of online confession at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm um, sorry, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm seeing Mark tomorrow morning, so I'll pass on the news. Um, <laughs> no, I think uh, again, it's just finding finding a link and get and, and getting people to connect with a certain exercise. So it, it might be that Mark needs to just think of another variation to actually to get you to understand why it's important to do that exercise. It wouldn't just be giving you an exercise to do because he just wants to give you another boring glutes exercise it's because it's related to something functionally that you need to change and I think sometimes that's hard hard for people to grasp you know with 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 some of the the exercises because it's more about control and stability rather than strength yeah you know those sorts of exercises can take you know six to twelve weeks to have some effect because it takes time for the brain to start to re-engage as well so yeah I think you just have to make it clear as to why why it's important as well i think the important yeah. thing is is to get mark now to um give him ridiculous stuff to do that he now has to report back on <laughs> so why do i have to be the leotard for this stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, six physio in soho <laughs> yeah absolutely. well actually that that comes into our next question from tom bruce which was what's the industry standard for extras during during <laughs> massage therapy <laughs> i have to say when the prompt sheet came through this was the one question i was dreading do you uh, have a, yeah. do you have a, a company policy or is it discretionary I, I think we're looking to open six physio thailand uh, next year <laughs> brilliant so, um, We'll, we'll let you know the we'll let you know the prices then. Well, do people? It must be something that happens <laughs> at times where people respond to human touch. This it's is human like, nature. This sounds like experience talking. This is <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when I reach for the K tape normally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you strap it down. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> I've got to feel. Did not get the short straw when he. When he <laughs> It's not that short. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's average size. Is that how you refer to it as the short straw? Yeah, well, I do now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I've. Uh, I think I might have um, stumbled across the wrong website to do this. Uh, this this uh, talk on. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I think the. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There has been some interesting scenarios. Definitely, I think uh, 
it's probably more more in the case of some of the glamorous uh, glamorous girls we've got working rather than uh, a, a fat hairy brummy in his early 40s <laughs> um so just looking at well this is Anne and garnish said why on earth did you agree to be on the podcast <laughs> are you now busy regretting it so it's probably quite <laughs> probably feeling that right now present of her well, yeah. I'm looking- I'm looking forward to the four-figure paycheck. That's why I decided to do it. Really, um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, it's it's good. It's just good fun to have a have a have a bit of banter as well. Because you know, it can all get a bit too serious sometimes with exercise. So it's our, good to have a have physio- a bit of banter about it. Are physios a, a, a happy bunch? Are they or are they very serious? Because I, I like <clears> I said, I've some some brilliant physios and some and some terrible physios. And um, the brilliant physios tend to be like a lot more chatty, although they do tend to go into a lot about research, <laughs> which, which kills the banter sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we we have a great great crew of physios here. To be honest with you, that's we really look more at the the personality when we when we employ people as well, because I think it's really really important to have people that are going to connect with people as well, um, because that's what we're in. We're in a connect, you know connection business at the end of the day. We've got a We've got to connect with our patients and, and make sure that you know uh, we work together as a team to get to get things right. So, um, so yeah, we, we, the banter is massively important for us. Do you know what I mean? It's if you can have some fun along the way, it's it's certainly going to help in terms of, of of overcoming those injuries and getting back to normal. Um, but yeah, do you come on, come on, come on one of our nights out, and then you'll you'll, you'll see what we're like. Oh no, I'll be asking people to like massage me and all sorts of stuff. Libby always says, because I didn't realise this, I didn't realise that a lot of people use massage as a prelude to sex. And it never, it never really occurred to me, because she goes... I thought that was drinking. No. <laughs> but I always, th- I always want a massage for the sake of having a massage, because I always, you know, I, I'm, I'm just that, you know, inflexible and in pain most of the time as well. And I never really thought of it like that. The question I wanted to ask you, which wasn't related to that at all, was do you have, like a sort of almost a scorecard, a, a top 10 of people that you've treated who have just been like awful to deal with or like amazing to deal with or people who have just been so like totally destroyed and you've completely fixed them and now they're absolute heroes. There's, there's definitely there's definitely people that stick out in your mind for different, different <laughs> For what reasons? reasons? For different reasons. Bad personal know. hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> certainly there's nothing worse to deal with than than bad feet i have to say oh. bad feet I, I always remember bad feet and that's normally because it takes about three weeks for the smell to disappear from oh. my room so i always so, remember bad feet oh yeah God. it's it's grim you kind of you can still you can still taste it in your mouth you know not that i've had the foot <laughs> in my mouth but you can still you can still taste it in your mouth you know yeah so so feet are, feet i definitely remember but, do you, um, do you, no, no, do you remember? Do you remember like an ankle positively? And you go, oh, I remember those ankles. Oh, they were so tight when I saw them. Just how beautifully flexible they were when they finished. <laughs> and you sort of dream yeah. about ankles or elbows or knees. Or we, we, I am a little bit geeky about shoulders and knees. To be honest with you, <laughs> those the, those are kind of my two pleasures in life. Um, <laughs> after after Aston Villa Football Club, those are my two pleasures. And and to be honest with you, they've given us a lot more pleasure in the last <laughs> years than uh, Aston Villa have. So, um, so yeah, so no, no, I, there's, there's loads of, it's a really interesting job. That's why I'm in this job. That's why I've done it for 15 years. We meet some great people and, you know, you get some, you know, to get the, get people back doing what they want to do to literally get them back up and running 
um, excuse the pun, is 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 why we're in the job, to be honest with you, or why I'm in the job anyway. Marvellous. And just, uh, I guess, one good question to well, probably round this off from uh, Dominic Spain was, what's the one thing that every runner should be doing that they're probably not? I think not enough runners focus on control work. Okay, so when I talk about control work, it's those sort of boring exercises that you were talking about um, earlier, David, about the uh, the controlled exercises for things like your glutes, controlled exercises for things like your lower back. I, I think there's probably too much emphasis put on stretching and not enough on control. And, and how would, if someone wanted to find out the right exercises to try control, um, how, what's the easiest way to do that, I guess? What, what are the exercises or where can they find them? Uh, so obviously the, f- the first thing you would do is is, is probably if, if they're in pain, if somebody's already in pain, I'd recommend getting a, a physio assessment first to actually assess them and see what those bi- biomechanical issues are. And then they can be set up on a, on a plan that's specific to them. Um, if they're actually not getting pain already, then something like a running assessment uh, with one of our running gurus, for example, would be would be a super thing to do because... You know, if you want to try and prevent injuries or, or reduce the risk of injuries happening, the sooner you look at how you're running and your running style and your running pattern, then you can then put into practice certain things to to make sure you address those issues. Does that answer okay. your question or not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, brilliant. Well, have you got any other issues yourself, JD? You've been injured, obviously, a lot recently. Do you want to do a one-on-one session? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, if, if, I'm, I'm sorted out. I'm not injured anymore. I'm running. I'm I'm happy. Oh, fantastic! Well, thank you so much for coming on, Gary. It's been really useful. Yeah, and it's been. We'll we'll post. What if if um if people want to follow you or kind of hear more about your your expertise things like that? What's the best way of them of getting in contact with you or, or following you on social media stuff like that? Yeah, so um, so I'm based over at Six Physio in Parsons Green. So we're on uh, 699 Fulham Road. Um, you can email me, uh, all, it's all in lowercase, garyjones at sixphysio.com. Uh, that's with uh, Gary with one R. And um, if you want to just check out our website, there's loads of great stuff on our website as well. We've got, you know, 12 clinics operating across London and, and, and the South. Um, so check out www.sixphysio.com and you can see exactly what we're doing in terms of our physio model uh, with the manual and the rehab physios as well as seeing what our specialist running physios do as well and there's lots of videos and interactive stuff on there that you can look at as well so yeah those would be the best ways to get hold of us brilliant well thank you so much for coming on the podcast do bad as you've got any questions ping them to us in the group or uh, you can email gary directly and uh, yeah thanks again cheers gary cheers guys thanks very much my pleasure. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I, I was. He just started talking about some people have uh, stiff, stiff tissues. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop. Since I'm gigging about that, I was going to say, yeah, teenagers, teenagers. There's, there's, but <laughs> there's so many. The thing is, with um, anything to do with anatomy and anything to do with physio, it's just yeah. laden with filthy terms. That yeah. you just you end up just being a total child. And if you, especially if you've got like a, a female massage therapist or anything like that it just makes it worse like something yeah so yeah childish. absolutely so childish <laughs> <laughs> you got stiff bits and wiggly bits <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah that was i thought that was that was quite well it's quite interesting yeah that was good that was really good so i think we've got a discount code we'll post in the group because um so you can get 15 percent off with six physio 
you want to go to see them. And and Gary just offline just said about we he might get us in to do a running assessment. So we'll we might film that and put it in the group as well. Just because I part of me doesn't really understand what that would involve. Uh, so it'd be quite interesting to actually get a sense of. Yeah, because I've had I've done like gait analysis and all that sort of stuff, which you know shoe companies absolutely love, don't they? Yeah, they love oh yeah, yeah gait analysis, and then they give you just the same pair of shoes that everyone else, depending on what their gait analysis was. And yeah. you know, and I, I don't know how much of that's actually useful, but a proper running assessment where they actually check out your mechanics and stuff. I'm I'm slightly worried about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you just think they'll tell you, no, it's not for you, mate. No, <laughs> so go, just literally, this is so. What we're watching is so awful. <laughs> we're going to erase everything to do with your running career. We're everything. We're going to just. Do, I'm going to go. Just tell me every race you've been in. And we're going to delete everything because this is disgusting. I wonder if they do it for because. You've got your running style, but it might be that once you've got a backpack on, everything changes. So, well, actually, that's a, yeah, that's the thing about having a backpack on. Because when I when I trained for the MTS, I, I wore a backpack about two two years out from from doing it, so I got really yeah. used to doing it. And and you have to adjust it, but especially like with ultras and even to you know some extent marathons, how much your form just you lose your form at the end of a of a race. You know, yeah. you're shuffling along, and yeah, you know, it must be. I, I don't know. I don't know how. There was always a big discussion, wasn't there? Um, I remember sitting at an ASICS event um, I went to, and they were saying that you know most people, regardless of the form that they have, lose their form. You know, in the last six mile, miles of a marathon, and so all this talk about it, you know, is, is the, the the problem with that. The problem with any sort of physio stuff is that it's related to anatomy, and the problem with the anatomy is that it's really fucking complicated. Yeah, it's yeah. really really personal to you, and we're still finding out stuff about it, and so. It's it's the most like frustrating area, isn't it? Because it's like there's no quick fixes. No matter what yeah. what you do, there's no quick fixes. And then the one thing that you shouldn't do sitting is the one thing that you have to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, during the day. Yeah, and so there's, really. there's literally nothing. Our entire society is against running. And yeah, and if you're a cyclist, more sitting. So more sitting. in a way, and that's sit- why we hate cyclists. Sit- yeah, sitting sitting when you're you're sitting at a desk. You're in your accountancy firm or whatever it is that you do, and then you're sitting, you lazy, lazy, cheating bastards. Did you see? So someone was posting a, a video of a new bike where you can then swing with your arms as well it's, to power it. What I don't extra power. What I, what I don't understand is that, and they had that lying down bike as well. I mean, this is it, isn't it? It's like you don't see. Oh, look, we found a different way of running because there isn't a different way of running because running is the most natural thing that you can do. But like cycling, oh, it's not good enough. We've got to add something else to it. Oh, pathetic. Although <laughs> <laughs> well, I think adding lights on wheels is always good. No, Spoky no, I disagree. Junkies, I disagree. I think anything, not, anything like that. <laughs> I disagree. I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you should. I think you should take lights off. Mind you, who who where I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to go into a rant about cyclists generally, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's a bit bored of it now. <laughs> that was another yeah, ten it's, minutes. It's but, had but, almost as much airtime as my ankle. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I've, I've just just come back from um, um, like a week in uh, in Sorkham, and there's like a lot of cyclists, you know, down in down in Devon and stuff. And every cyclist we met, like on country road stuff, they were just so like polite. And helpful, and they moved out of the way because the, 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 <laughs> the roads there are so narrow. If there's a cyclist on it, you're like, I'm just going to be sat behind here for like three miles and take forever. They pulled over, they let you pass. Like they, 
it's almost as though word had got round is to make Jody feel like a complete dick for hating on Cyclist <laughs> by everyone just killing him with kindness. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you're wrong about this as you are about running clubs. It could be. Well, are you reckon I'd end up, end up in a velodrome somewhere going, oh, yeah. I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> But um, what, have you, what have you got coming up in the next week or so? Oh, so in the next week or so, week or so um, we are descending upon London for a, um, a Brewdog running pub crawl, which oh, my word. I hope is going to be more successful than the last running pub crawl we did, <laughs> which, which wasn't even a crawl. It was sit in a pub. Sit in a pub and all my friends who aren't anything to do with the podcast will come and join us. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good night, though. But... No, it was a good, it was an excellent night. So yeah, so um, but I think um, I've been roped into doing the uh, uh, doing the bloody park run up there as well um, oh, in the morning. So which one have you chosen? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. One of the ones in South London. So doing the park run, gonna go and get something to eat, and then start start running in Croydon. Lee is very it's in Croydon. Yeah, so it starts oh, starts in Croydon, I'm... ends in Shoreditch. So going to so... All seven of the Brewdog bars in the, in London. And are you actually running between them? Yeah. So that's that could be up to a half marathon. It's fifteen miles. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Lee 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 is interested in actually adding extra ones in there. So we we end up doing a version of the half half, testing this oh. out whether this theory will, will work. Well, the trouble is you're doing thirteen Brewdog drinks because they're punchy as hell they are punchy oh that's gonna that's gonna go wonderfully can you can you do a facebook live stream <laughs> i don't think <laughs> yeah yeah we'll try to do a facebook live stream there must be a way in the group just to have people streaming um, each each drink at least the cheers or something like that yeah. and then uh, is it looking like we've got a few people coming along as well I don't think it's going to be a huge amount of people. I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a few, but I don't know. We, we, yeah, we just like, we'll uh, actually keeping it, keeping it. Well, it'd probably be three of us, but that'll be fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, <laughs> one I... of us running. There's only one. It's just <laughs> some loser running between pubs on his own. <laughs> and have you warned Breedog of this? So no. Do you reckon we should? They might. Offer some free drinks. You never know. That's what Dan said. Dan said that actually it's the, it's the right sort of company, isn't it? To um, yeah, we've asked we've asked Pato and we got it. Why not Brewdog? Brewdog yeah. would be an amazing sponsor. Oh, imagine if we had Brewdog as a sponsor. Oh my god! Yeah, that they are. I don't mind just saying I love them because they are. I love them. Punk is incredible. In fact, they won fifty quid for me from Sweetheart because he was convinced Brewdog was an American company. What? And uh, so I managed to get him up to a 50 quid bet, which I was quite pleased about. I think he paid up. Oh, no, I think, <laughs> I, then, I, think I then bet him something else stupid and it cancelled out, sadly. Um, so, so you must be heading off to Burma. Yeah, we're, we're heading out probably today when this comes out, I assume. It's Thursday. We're, we're flying out on Thursday and we've got um, two days in Beijing. So I'm hoping we can tie in with the Beijing hash. Then we fly in Sunday night to Myanmar, and it's the, the what's the place called? Uh, I can't remember the, the city we're flying into, but it's their 1500th hash that day, and a really? national holiday the next day, yeah. So we're getting there late, but we're, they've, they've emailed and they said they're probably still going to be going hard. So we're going to get off the plane and just go straight to the pub to join the hash. <laughs> it's... Should be brilliant. But yeah, we got two weeks and then 
then the uh, the Bagan Marathon, which should be one of the marathons of my life. I think in terms of how it looks, it's just oh, it looks so amazing. Beautiful. It looks amazing. Starts at six fifteen, which is a bit of a poor lake. Oh. So well, you need to you need to to take a selfie with every temple on route. You're going to need it to to start that early. That is, I'm going to have to oh. bring a. Uh, do you think they're going to do the um, what's it called race race briefing at ten o'clock the night before with one map <laughs> <laughs> and tell you there's not there's no uh, <laughs> there's no electrolytes on the course. <laughs> well, my only fear is that because we're not actually everyone who's racing who's an expat has had to buy the package. And so they're all travelling together for the whole 10 days or however long it may be, all going from the same hotel. So Claire and I are just going to be popping up by ourselves. Oh, so I'm okay. worried we might just be woefully forgotten about. Yeah. Or, yeah, woefully unprepared. But also what I quite like about it is um, the they're all going to know who is likely to finish where. And we've uh, looked at the, the previous events, and it's not run by – I think last year was run in 3.30 – so it's it's very much a tourist marathon. So I just like the idea of Claire and I turning up in all the gear to people they've never met before um, and then just looking around going, oh, hello, who are these bastards who've come along <laughs> looking a bit keen? So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to race hard. and uh, But if, um, if someone's going to beat me, I'm just going to slow down and run with Claire instead and enjoy it, I think. Oh, I thought these are some clever mind games. There's a very useful phrase that you need to know in Burmese. What is Ray it? Buddy, Ray Buddy San Fuck Sote. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really long way of saying it, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? It seems to have like, a lot more words than it needs to. Like, <laughs> the word... Given that all the words are in there individually. <laughs> <laughs> this, the other word saying, this is... This is the my the Burman for the English phrase. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Ray, buddy, Sandy. Brilliant. Fox, I'll, uh, I'll write that down, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of do badders out there, so that that's going to be useful for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think we just as we were. Um, this just leading on from what I was just we saying about yeah, I'm sure there's some do badders out there. Um, just before we were recording, um, uh, Kate Short posted in the Facebook group um, about. Uh, oh, this is brilliant. I'm just going to read it out. Rookie error today. Braved the cold weather early, wrapped up like a ninja with black snood earmuffs, gloves, etc. No one out apart from it, a distant, in the distance, a lone runner in a red top. Naturally, I sped <laughs> up to pass them and call out, fuck you, buddy, as per <laughs> bad boy running protocol. Unexpected traffic lights stop ahead, caused me to look round and see the said runner stopped while I passed them looking confused. It was a school kid. In red gear uniform, <laughs> with an angry mother not far behind. <laughs> so, was a school kid running, or was just a school kid walking out? This is a bit. <laughs> Brilliant. I honestly, I think, I think there must be, I don't know, seventy people with bad boy running t-shirts or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't. I love the fact that you go, oh, that's bound to be a bad boy running t-shirt. <laughs> I think anyone in a red t-shirt just assume they're a bad boy running. Yeah, I mean, red's not a popular colour, so it's <laughs> it's quite like it would be too bad. I love that. <laughs> At least oh. they didn't go for the whole milkshake. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Oh, amazing, amazing. Well, I think that's it for um, for this episode. So uh, we're going to probably have a little bit of a break now, actually. Because, yeah, potentially. Um, because you're like, and you've got, oh, forget, you've got your um, your uh, Kickstarter campaign still running on. Oh, yes. So what, we'll, what I was going to say, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that heated up on the boil while you're, uh, while you're away. 
Oh, if people want to do some fake reviews for that Kickstarter campaign, that would be brilliant. You, if you want to get this shakes it up. So we're at the moment we're two thirds of the way there, which oh, is amazing, amazing. yeah, really pleased actually. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, um, but probably not that. So that's I mean that's epic. But if you want to take the piss, do some stupid bids, anything along those lines, please do. You, you definitely have my permission. And I'm hoping by the time I come back, we're, we're at the goal. Um, if not, I'm going to have to desperately do some scrambling in the final week. <laughs> You're going to be, you have to sell off all sorts of shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a night with my missus. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so related to this, turns out my mother, my, my, my future mother-in-law is a proper do-badder badass. Oh, really? So not only has she bought me a beer advent calendar with a, a whole bottle of beer, not a small one, a full bottle of beer behind every door. So it's going to be a fully wet December. Yeah. But she signed up to do uh, the beerathon with a training plan for the beerathon. <laughs> so, and I, don't, I don't really know. I'm, so I've got to write a training plan for the beerathon. I'm thinking, this is quite a good opportunity to take the piss quite a bit where. We could get it going like Tuesday, three mile jog, triple dollar kebab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, all, it's all about learning the transition, isn't it? It's about yeah. what, before you go out for a run. Um, what's it called? A bottle of bottle of um, bud, uh, three miles, <laughs> and a bottle of bud afterwards. Yeah. So we can. It's just all these opportunities to get a pissed and to get a stuffing your face. And then throw in the odd run. Because it's not as if she needs to train up a huge amount to be able to do it. Because you, you need to be able to probably jog half a mile to do the marathon. And she could do that fine. But, um, yeah. So, we need some suggestions on some potential training nights and training evenings she could do as the build-up to the marathon for next year. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, well... This is going to be, it's only the second week. Are we, are we going to have a Pate Banton exit music? Oh, have you not listened to it yet? I, I didn't, I only realised it come out today when I went into the group to, to look for the questions for the we podcast. Start, we start with Pato, we end with Pato. Oh, It's a yes. Pato sandwich. Yeah, okay, I need to, I'm going to email Pato with the point in the podcast when we find out about him. Because I think he'll listen to that. I hope he'll listen to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And fingers crossed, if he listens to that, he'll realise how much we genuinely love him. And he'll then, he might even throw us like a, an, an honorary concert, a Do Badder concert. That would be amazing. I don't see it happening, but... Do Badder Banton. Do Badder Banton. <laughs> so what, he's, he's probably, he's, he just needs to refer to himself that in his next song. He's probably short of lyrics by now. He's been recording for years. He's looking for new things to write about. Possibly. Possibly. All right then, man. Um, see you in... Two weeks. See you in two weeks. Good luck, man. Make it, yours, yours sounds harder than mine. Good luck yourself. <laughs> See you later, dude, manners. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Yes, and give me.